On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. I always start with the basic question of what do you want? Because sometimes that's the biggest impediment. We're midway through another year. Have you attained those goals you made as the calendar turned to 2021? If not, it may have to do with your thinking. Another sign of improvement in the post-pandemic Midwest economy. And you'll hear about a Northeast Iowa family business that is now run by extended family. This is the Iowa Business Report for Independence Day weekend 2021. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. We've made it to the first few days of July, the start of the third quarter, the start of the second half of 2021, perhaps for you the start of a new fiscal year. If you're like me, you're realizing that and wonder where this year has gone. That may mean it's time to stop and reset things. Michelle Bollet is a transformational life coach who uses creative coaching to help you step into the life you desire. One thing that's true of every situation is there is always an opportunity, no matter what that situation looks like. And of course, this pandemic has made us come face to face with a lot of challenges and difficulty. And there's actually a law for this. It's called the law of polarity. You know, so we can focus on the challenges and the problems or we can focus on the opportunities and the solutions. So I would say in this time, it's focusing on those opportunities and solutions and a way to guide oneself through that is to ask, what do I really want to make of this time? What do I want to create? We really are creative people. We are creators. And I think, you know, there's a common sentiment that that our lives are limited. But even just taking that little switch and thinking can allow a person to say, okay, This is a challenge. Where's the opportunity? What do I want to make of this particular situation? And I don't mean to be flip about it, but it's sort of the, is your glass half full or half empty? How you view that really helps us all understand who you really are as a person. Is that fair? It's totally fair. And it's that simple, Mm. you know, that it's really just a choice. How do you want to look at your life? Do you want to look at it as half full or half empty? And what I say to my clients, um, my students, even when I was teaching dance years ago, it's what does that, what does each choice make possible? If you're looking at your life as half empty, what does that make possible? If you're looking at it as half full, what does that make possible? So there's your choice. And, you know, that's where our power is. And to me, at least in my experiences, I used to work for a person when someone would say to him, how are you doing? His answer invariably was, oh, I'm struggling. Well, that, I think, can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it doesn't mean that you're lying to yourself or others about how you're doing, but it doesn't take much of a stretch to go from, I'm telegraphing to the world, this is who I am, to where you lock yourself into a place where that's all you'll ever be. I 100% agree. And, you know, you're exactly right. This is where our creative power lies. If a person wakes up and says, oh, my God, I'm struggling or this is going to be a hard day, they'll get the hard day. And, and, you know, it can seem, as you said, flip about half empty, half full. But what if your person were to try, hey, this is going to be an amazing day all day long. It really that's where we're using that choice to create something that we desire rather than 
what we were programmed to believe. You know, if your parents were like, oh, it's it's Monday or Sunday night, I got to work now. You saw that over and over as a kid. And so that's what you start to believe. And it takes sometimes a little nudge, sometimes a little pain, uh, sometimes a good coach, you know, to reach out to, to let you see, hey, there's more possible. If you're suffering, there is a solution. It's, it's like, if we bring the law of polarity to that, if you're in a place of suffering, it also means there's a place where there's not suffering. And that's what I like to help people do is find that place where that suffering isn't happening, but rather the creativity, the possibility, our human potential. So as you work with people, what's the biggest impediment to get them to think correctly in the way you've just described it? Correctly may not be the right phrase, but in order to realign their thinking into what you've been talking about. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, when I when I work with someone, I always start with the basic question of what do you want? Because sometimes that's the biggest impediment. A person may say, I don't, I don't really know. And I say, well, what if you did? Because that permission that we give ourselves to want something that maybe our families didn't want, maybe our peers don't want. You know, I've, I, I worked for 21 years as a professional dance artist. It wasn't okay to maybe want to make more money, you know, um, or in, a, in like a middle-class family. It's not, a, there's a label around what it might mean to have more money, to have more opportunities. So when I'm working with someone, we get to the core of that and what of, of what they want. And what that means is we're peeling away a lot of limiting belief systems around what people think is right or wrong. And the truth is that everything just is. Your desire is an expression of you. And, and it helps us to become the fullest version of ourselves. So that's that's where I start with people. What if they say something like, well, I just want to be happy? Well, that's hard to argue with, but also hard to quantify, because again, that may be an end goal, if that even is an appropriate goal. But you don't just jump from here to happy. There's an awful lot that gets to that point. How do you break something like that down? In other words, they have a feeling they want to attain, but you help them with concrete steps to get to that point. Yeah, that's a great question. So I might ask, well, what would happiness give you? Or what would happiness look like? Or you want to be happy so that what? So that you can do what, have what, be what? Because in their minds, they may not see it right away, but there is some connection to that desire. A second thing that can happen if someone says, I just want to be happy, is that they they actually are limiting I've seen this I see I saw this recently with a client. He was only giving himself so much permission to want something. And it was like, well, I am happy. And then I was like, well, why are you paying me this money to dig into what's going on? You know, obviously you want something. So I I helped him see that that was just a program he was running. Well, I have enough. You know, oh, I don't need that. That is not the same as the desire of an expression that a person wants to have. That's the place where we are truly creative, we are, where we are innovative. And when we start to change, uh, you know, anything from our family dynamics to the larger world around us. Satisfied is not happy. Well, I have enough. That's satisfied. That's subsistence. But how do we get to the next level? But there's a lot of fear in that, right? I mean, I may say, if I could write my own script, I would do this. But that means jumping off the cliff of security. That means giving up a stable job. It means taking a real chance in an uncertain world. That's a difficult thing to overcome, too, is it not? 
it is a difficult thing. But the truth is the rules for safety and security are not the same rules uh, as the ones that work for growth and expansion. And the fear comes in because we have all of these programs that run through our subconscious minds that say, this is how you're safe. And the breakdown of that is these are all things we learned before we were seven years old. Scientifically, we can't reject anything. We don't have a conscious mind yet. So anything you were taught by your parents, your teachers, clergy, aunts and uncles, friends, anything you gathered before seven, you just absorb like a sponge. So then say you're 37 and you want to change something and it goes against those rules that you learned. Your subconscious mind will say, don't do it. It will like, it will make you afraid because it's your subconscious mind's job is to help you survive. So it thinks, oh, you're going to invest this, this much, much money in your business or in working with someone and the fear pops up, but it's what I help people do, you know, in my coaching is be able to step beyond that fear and see actually that if there's a dot desire that's pulling them, they have to follow it and take that risk and make that investment. And then from there, their world starts to expand. But it is a little bit of jumping off the edge. And, you know, you develop your wings or you see that the ground is right there below you. Transformational life coach Michelle Boulay, online at michelleboulay.com. Michelle is spelled with two L's. Boulay is B-O-U-L-E. We spoke via Zoom on Friday, June 11th. Still to come, the first of the month means a new Mid-American Business Conditions Index, and the numbers are solid. And in our business profile, the transition of a century-old Northeast Iowa tradition. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by the Next Generation Leadership Group, preparing family business members for executive-level responsibilities and ownership. For more, go to the Family Business Center tab at AdvanceIowa.com. A new monthly survey of business leaders released this past Thursday suggests the economy continues growing at a strong pace in Iowa and eight other Midwest and Plains states. The Mid-America Business Conditions Overall Index for the region climbed to 73.5 in June from May's already strong 72.3. Any score above 50 suggests growth, and you'll recall it was not long ago that we were far below that 50 level. Creighton University economist Dr. Ernie Goss oversees the survey. He says the region is expected to keep growing and should return to pre-pandemic levels early next year, almost two years from the beginning of the economic curtailment tied to the pandemic. Dr. Goss says business leaders said supply delays are causing problems in manufacturing, and high inflation also remains a concern. The monthly survey covers Iowa as well as the states of Arkansas, Kansas, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, and South Dakota. Coming up, a business bringing comfort to families. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by the Iowa Family Business Center by UNI, sponsors of an event in Boone on August 19th, where you can tour, lunch, and connect with the Fairway family. Learn more by going to AdvanceIowa.com. 
In Northeast Iowa, the Kaiser Corson Funeral Home name is well known, and a recent ownership transition was so seamless, many were not aware it had even taken place. I spoke recently with Darren O'Donnell, one of the four owners of the Quartet of Funeral Homes. Kaiser Corson Funeral Homes is actually, Jeff, one of the oldest funeral homes in the state of Iowa. Uh, the family business started in 1901, actually in Monona, Iowa. And George Kaiser started that business. And then uh, years later, uh, he moved to Waverly. And that's when his grandson, Jim Corson, joined him. And that's how Kaiser Corson Funeral Homes was formed. So Jim worked alongside his his grandpa for quite a few years. Then the Corson boys, so Cal and Steve Corson, joined their dad as licensed funeral directors. And then their brother Carter also joined them too as a funeral assistant. He was owner alongside with them. And he worked every day just alongside his dad and his brothers. Speeding ahead, four of us, myself, Ryan Tucker, who lives in Denver, John Dummermuth, who lives at our Shell Rock location, and Danae Muller. In 2019, we purchased the funeral homes from Steve and Carter Corson. So that was kind of the transition from the Corson family to the new owners. One of the things that really helped is the four owners worked alongside the Corson family for a long time. Myself, I've been with the Corson family for 20 years and uh, some of the others are approaching their 14th and 15th years. And one of the other partners is approaching uh, her 10th year. So that helped when we started talking about, you know, maybe purchasing the funeral homes from, from Steve and Carter. But I'll be honest with you, the amount of guidance that we got from Amy Dutton and, and the group at UNI was just phenomenal. They actually were able to kind of, you know, brainstorm with us to show us kind of the direction to go. And then from that point forward, they brought in an accountant to help us with looking at some of the financials, uh, really guided us through a lot of the things. And so hats off to that entire group, just tremendous asset that we have really in the Cedar Valley, because, you know, that's a big time to have that ability to utilize that. And one of the nicest things about it is it's there's no cost to it. So uh, that's what made it so easy and they're very open and straightforward, but yet guidance was the key to help us propel to, to look at buying the business. You've got a well-established family name, multi-generation family name in Waverly, Correct. in Shell Rock, in Denver, in Reedland. So you have this collection. And as you note, you all had come on to work for the family. Yep. How did we get then from that where there's a family-owned operation, multiple locations, trusted employees in each location. How did we get from that to transition to that next generation? Because that's quite a step. It is. It's a huge step. I like the word you use, trust, because from the moment I know I started, and I think the others could attest to this, the Corson family entrusted all of us to carry their name, work for them on behalf of them, serve the families in this whole area, they would have us live at the locations. They put us up there and took care of us from that perspective. And just the trust between the Corson family and their employees was what really stood out for me. And I think that's for myself personally, that's one of the biggest reasons I've been here so long is 
just that working relationship between the Corson family who were the owners, but a lot of days you didn't really feel like they were the owners. They were working alongside us almost every day. Uh, there wasn't a lot of the finger pointing, hey, you go do this or you go do that. Uh, it was hands-on, sleeves up. They worked diligently every day, long hours. They weren't usually most days the first ones to leave. So I think the work ethic is what struck me right away. And their personalities, that's the key to they're They're very well loved in the area. So I assume they looked internally and said, there's a point at which we may want to retire. They probably looked internally to see if literally there were blood family that would want to take it. And when those didn't gel or weren't options, they looked to the extended family, which would be all of you. So did they come to you as a group? Did they come to individuals or did you all sort of spearheaded knowing that they were talking about retirement. How did that link get made to where we are now with four owners of four vibrant locations and decades ahead of this ownership and management? Hats off in just the professionalism of how Steve Corson handled it. He kind of spearheaded that part of it along, you know, his brother was Carter was part of it, but not maybe as integral as Steve. So what Steve did is, is he, he made a point to, target when he'd like to be retired or done or sell the funeral homes. And then he offered it in an open setting and just said, here's the deal. I want to retire, but my first choice for succession is all of you. So we were able to not have to make that decision on the spot. There was no competition with other people. So we weren't pressured in that manner. And he was very patient with us. He allowed us to do kind of the things I spoke of with what we did with you and I which was good because we weren't ever pressured. Like, I need this done by a certain date. Why aren't you guys doing this? None of that. We were able to work alongside him to get the timing together. His accountants helped, and they continue to be our accountants, but they were, were integral in it too because, it, you know, not only is it a funeral business that we help serve families, but, of course, there is the business side of things, and you got to kind of look at all that. Well, you very much do, because it's one thing to be working alongside the owners. It's a very different thing when you are the owner. Exactly. So so the first day you looked to your side and one of the Corsons wasn't there, and the first day you had to sign checks, figuratively or literally, that's when it becomes very real, doesn't it? It does. It does. (laughs) And so I think one of the biggest things that I have found as good as an owner in a group setting with four individuals is not one person carries the load of the business side, meeting all the families. So we take turns doing things. We each have our own kind of niche that we take care of. So that takes off some pressure. We're not always there every single day taking care of the business. So if one of us is gone, the other three step in. Uh, We got a good working relationship, the four of us, so we're not wondering who's going to be doing what or or if something's going to get done while one of us is gone. None of that ever occurs, so that's good. How did you make the connection with the program at UNI? I just was in my personal time doing some research, and I started looking and found a few things just to kind of see if there was something out there to be, you know, for guidance. Came upon it one day. And called Amy Dutton, and then one thing led to the next, and that was how the relationship was formed. And again, I always look at these situations. You know how to operate a funeral home. 
You know how to be a funeral director, how to counsel families at a tremendously stressful time. It's such a unique position you hold, such an important position. You know how to do that. But that doesn't automatically mean you know how to properly value a business, to buy a business, to then run a business. Exactly. One of the things, too, Jeff, with funeral homes is that they are, at times, not the easiest business to evaluate because there isn't that constant number of deaths that you can, you hate to say, account on that would be used to value the business. So there was that uniqueness to it. Darren O'Donnell of Kaiser Corson Funeral Homes in Waverly, Denver, Shell Rock, and Reedland. More online at kaisercorson.com. We spoke via Zoom on Friday, June 25th. In the conversation, he noted the assistance of Amy Dutton at the University of Northern Iowa. The Kaiser Corson team was a client of the Small Business Development Center, the SBDC. The UNI outlet is one of 15 similar centers across the state that provides no-cost, confidential, and customized business assistance to entrepreneurs, startups, and existing businesses. More information about their services, as well as a way you can request counseling from one of the 15 locations, may be found online at iowasbdc.org. That's I-O-W-A. SBDC.org. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find the IBR Daily Report posted there as well. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all, Go ahead and subscribe to the Iowa Business Report daily and weekly editions through your favorite podcast distributor. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a safe Independence Day holiday and a prosperous week. Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.